Welcome back to the most important podcast in the world. I'm your host, Reese Wood. On this episode, friend of mine, Bill Eaves. Bill is a comedian, stand-up comedian. And uh, so Bill and I met back in the 2000s, back in high school. We went to Beloit Memorial High School together. And Bill is always a naturally funny guy, at least in my opinion. Uh, he was uh, a bass player, always a talented bass player, uh, above my league when it came to playing, at least. I did, I was a guitar player, I tried. Um, but Bill, always a talented guy, and I was definitely interested to catch up with him and find out what he's been doing since high school, to talk to him about his comedy. Man, if you went to high school with us. We gossiped about you, and you, and you. No, 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 we didn't. But, you might have got a mention in this episode. There, there might have been a little gossip, and it might have been only about you. There is some mention, and talking about gossip, and talking about comedy, we talk about Mark Maron in this episode. Comedian, podcaster, Mark Maron. Uh, does the podcast WTF and uh, back in the day I was um, following a show they used to do before he did his podcast WTF it was break room live and so we talk about how I used to be username WTF and man have I been waiting to talk about that oh man there's so much cool stuff we talked about with Bill in this episode um Lots of uh, his comedian influences, comedy influences in general. And uh, CKY, we talk about CKY, one of my favorite bands, but some of the uh, influence they had on the things we did in high school, some of the trouble we did or did not cause. It's not provable. There wasn't cameras back then. Uh, but we do talk about that stuff. There's even a mention of Batman in this episode. And uh, that's to say a lot. That means we squeezed a lot in here. Everything from high school to uh, politics, CKY, and squeezing of Batman. This is only a part one, and I gotta say, if you're um, sensitive to vulgar language of any kind, you might want to pass on this episode. But, if you're into those juicy details and all that type of conversation and a little bit of strong language, this episode is for you. You run into stuff all the time. And it's always mm. super embarrassing. I remember all the times on the radio, I'd have stuff go sideways. I had Russ Feingold on, Senator Russ Feingold. Uh-huh. And he was like on a phone that was connect to our board directly. Just a wire directly yeah. from the phone to the board. And it would not connect. So the whole recording came out. I had a room mic that, like, for my luck, actually caught the recording but no matter how much i boosted up on the edit it still sounded like he was way back like 100 feet away from yeah. the microphone yeah. but like ross feingold an interview that i was waiting like weeks for and it still went sideways directly plugged in it's like so i swear like you can never get stuff right you're lucky if you do i don't know who gets stuff to go right unless you got lots of money and yeah which i did say i have i did say most important podcast i got the big budget but uh, <laughs> I don't know. You got to Yeah, man. I like you got it's DIY. Like it's all DIY culture now. And you got to just fucking figure out how to do it yourself until somebody. Yeah. Somebody throws some money at it. 
the cameras that a lot of people use and the shit like yeah it's almost it's almost disheartening now to watch podcasts and listen to podcasts for me because everyone because i'm a stand-up comic and uh podcasting is like one of those things that you're almost expected to get into to promote at the very least um or just to talk to work out ideas because a lot of comics will fucking start an idea for a joke just in a conversation or talking and podcasting helps with that type of shit too i think and it just oh, yeah. everything's about content now it's content I, you're right you were you were saying about thinking about starting your own podcast and i can't recommend it more because i i know comedians around here in wisconsin yeah and every day to myself i'm like these guys need to be podcasting even if even if you're not good at it, you have to do it. There's times where I think about hitting a, a stand up and going for 10, 15 minutes myself. And the reason I feel like that is because of all the other things I've done. I've been in front of crowds for like political stuff and yeah. made me super nervous. Like I've had the worst things happen already. I feel like at least. Have you done stand up yet? No, but I'm like this Never. close. I'm I'm pretty you close. You gotta go do it if you th if you think if you're thinking about and don't try to go do 10, 15 minutes, Reese. For the love of God, just try get the five. Everyone, five. Everyone who <laughs> everyone who does who does uh who who wants to do comedy. I swear to God, I talk to people every day who want to get into comedy, and every day they tell me they have an hour, a fucking hour. Or if you if you have never done comedy and you think you have more than like two jokes, like you're wrong. I promise you, because the funniest fucking people that I know all started and they all it's hard just to get to a, a five minute set where that's consistently good. That hits with everyone, because when yeah. you start, a lot of guys are just emulating their favorite comic or something uh, or or and no, that's pretty much what what I've seen in, in, in seven years. Oh, yeah. Everyone's just emulating their favorite comic and they come in expecting everyone to laugh at their shit. And you can see they'll like say something and then they'll wait. And I've done it too, where I'll, I've my first fucking night, I just took a, two sheets of paper up there that was fucking stapled together of a bunch of jokes I typed out. And uh, it was just like, this one did good. This one did bad. This one did bad. This one did bad. This one did good. This one did good. And then, it was just like, I just fucking gave up at the end of it. And I was like, great, fuck this. Like, I, sh I knew I shouldn't have done this. I knew I should have brought this up. And that made the comics laugh so hard that they like were like, no, come here. Like, and they, they kept me coming back because I was like, fuck this. I suck. And uh, they kept me coming back. And now, like, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm like one of the, one of the guys that gets consistently booked down here. Um, and yeah, I've been doing it for a while. So, like, it's tough, that's though, what, man. That's what I was going to start by asking you. So, like, kind of my first mm -hmm. question. So, I've had two guys on so far, two comedians that I know that each, they've been, like, 10 years in their craft. They've been doing about 10 years each. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they went through that phase where, like you were saying, they were probably trying to emulate somebody. But then they mm -hmm. moved into a more genuine self and more more of a, a genuine area. But mm -hmm. So, like, you're in the, like, aspiring stages you're just starting like how long have you been doing this no i'm not <laughs> i've been like, well, how long I, you been doing it i don't it depends on if you count covid i know i it, like i didn't do shit for that entire year year and a half right because like 
it was fucking Zoom shows and like stuff like this, or they'd be like, nope. no, that's not what stand up comedy is. You need the crowd, you need the intimacy, you need the fucking people there. It's like it's a group think session in my in my mind. So, um, I'm at six. I would say I'm I'm at seven years. I didn't do shit for that one year, but um. It's like I'm at the point now where I've kind of like made enough connections and I've I've opened for enough people um, and kind of like had a bunch of opportunities to to uh, move forward. And, and my real my real hang up is kind of where I live. Like you, you I'm I'm three hours south of Austin. I'm uh, two hours two like two and a half hours south of San Antonio where I live now is like there's comedy, but it's like you it's you can't make a career unless you road dog it and and go to like the valley which is right next to mexico it's like so you go to the valley you go to these little towns outside and you just take these private bookings and whatever we can get in san antonio and and austin is fucking massive right now and that's what we're all you know that's what that's where i'm at trying to so i i took a job just to get a new car because i had to cancel like my last two shows up north and it, it pissed me off bad because like ultimately like that's the goal and that's where i have to b is up north and once rogan opened mothership and shit like that really yeah austin wasn't necessarily like the city to be in texas for comedy it was either dallas or houston that everyone wanted to get to um but like once COVID happened and everyone knew rogan was coming even when they knew he was coming before he actually showed up like people just started fucking moving there and every comic or person yeah. i meet in austin now is from new york or la or like atlanta or something and everyone it's just like this mecca of progression or some shit but oh, like nice. conservative yeah. progression you know what i mean like it's still texan town it's still texas city and I, and like everyone who's moving there is coming from a liberal area and they're seeking out conservative uh politics and shit conservative they they just don't want to wear a mask they they want to pay yeah. less taxes you know Especially, yeah, like, you look at Rogan, how much money does he make? Does he want to pay taxes in Cali or Texas? Right, right. No, when he made that move, I was like, yeah, that's a no-brainer. But I see people mm -hmm. like, okay, so Mark Marin, little yeah. background. You're going to love this. I haven't got to say this in a podcast. Uh -huh. Mark Marin, his podcast, WTF, right? Yeah. Um, so Marin's not a big fan of all the stuff Rogan is doing. Uh -huh. For some reason, Marin's always got an issue with stuff. But my issue with Marin is his podcast, WTF, he stole it from me. <laughs> and you're going to laugh at this. A lot of people are probably going to laugh at this, but I'm going to clip this out. I'm going to put it on TikTok everywhere. Uh -huh. Marin. Um, so back in the day, he did a show called Break Room Live with Sam Cedar, uh -huh. uh, a political liberal commentator. He's still out there. Uh, but they did a show called Break Room Live, and it was like, I think it was like 2009 through the first Obama election up until like 2010, but it was just an awesome show. Like they were doing stuff ahead of the time they were doing like live streaming, like this podcasting. Uh -huh. um, so I would always get on the, their chats. They would do Ustream chats. I don't know if you remember Ustream, but it was kind of like, kind of like things are today, a, a stream video with a chat next to it but back in 2010 era and yeah. I'd be chatting as user WTF. And this is way before WTF and he'd be mm. saying something, Mark Marin or Sam Cedar would be saying something. And my only job was to lay down a WTF when needed. Uh -huh. And 
I know a couple times everybody would definitely laugh because there was times where a WTF when something was being said would be needed. Um, so to know he went on to name his podcast WTF, I'm like, it's a great compliment, but I'm really wondering, <laughs> did, did he just randomly come up with it? Cause Marin, even to his mustache rips off Frank Zappa. Like mm -hmm. you said, a lot of comics emulate the people. Uh, not only do they emulate, but you know, this as you keep going in comedy, where do you get your material from your daily stuff? What happens in your life? Right? Yeah. Things that actually happen you don't hardly ever do you just make something up like this never happened it's usually based on something that might have happened loosely and i feel like with yeah. Marin, that's that's like indicative of a lot of things he does but i still today like i can't really listen to his podcast because i hear a guy who uh rogan's mentioned some other people like this that just kind of steal other people's routines steal other people's stuff mm -hmm. and they make their own of it but you know when you go before an audience the audience doesn't know that you're using this or that from someone else mm -hmm. i don't know I, I mean it's something that i definitely wanted to have clipped out glad i got to share that with you but mark maron that'd be, that'd my be funny guy. if he like if he like sees it and he remembers your username and he's like fuck yeah he's like yeah you say that all the time and i was like that's funny because, I mean, like, that, yeah, I don't know. It could be. I hit him but up. But he probably couldn't admit it at this point. I hit him up very friendly on Twitter, like, yeah. once back in the day because he said something else. And I was like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity. Like, I'll I'll say, hey, you remember me, WTF, from Ustream? And obviously, I mean, when a guy makes so much money off of a name and creates a brand like that, you're not going to – I mean, it would be super genuine Maybe, of him. I love using that word, but – did he respond uh, to you at all? No, no. Yeah, see, that's the problem. Is like, I don't. And think, I was a fan. I don't think he's I was reading those. Yeah, I think once you get to like that level, man, it's tough to read the shit that people like. I don't know. Man, I, how man. how fucking how much nonsense are they seeing? Like, I wouldn't read anything if I if I was as famous as he is. Oh, I, totally, I don't think totally. I could read the hate because no matter what, like, people are gonna hate you, and it's just like. They're the the people who hate you are way more vocal than the people who love you. The people that love you, they yeah. fucking give you a thumbs up. The people that hate you write a fucking paragraph on why your fucking ears are weird. You know what I mean? You are completely right. I've had actual reporters here in Janes will do that about me. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know where people come up with this stuff. But I mean, it, you're right. You're totally right. When the you negative had reporters like, in Janesville write about you. Yeah, for the campaigns, oh. I, I was talking about this like just the other day. There's an article from the COVID area campaign where uh -huh. I had my signatures challenge. I was like one of the only, I was the only libertarian in Wisconsin to uh -huh. actually get on the ballot during COVID, the only libertarian in the whole state. And both parties challenged me, the Republican and Democrat parties challenged uh -huh. my signatures and uh -huh. got me taken off the ballot by about 14 signatures. And uh, what, do, what the so, fuck does that mean? They challenged your signatures. So they, you have to collect signatures, get on the ballot for state uh -huh. assembly. You need 200. And I got about 220, 224. So close to the threshold. Cause it was COVID Yeah. and try, try collecting signatures. A lot of people like, uh, think that it's not that hard. No, um, I'm sure it's that sucks. you can just go knock doors, especially during COVID. No one wanted you to show your face. 
not yeah. liberals, not Republicans, no one. Um, no one wanted to be affiliated with someone who was walking out the streets door to door asking for signatures or doing anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I still did it. We did a park tour. We did 14 parks in Janesville because it's the city of parks. We made ourselves available, me, Ashley, and the kids. Uh -huh. We went to all these parks and we were like, so we'll do these public events. People can meet us, come give their signature. We did like everything possible to get those signatures, right? Struggle. Yeah. And then they have their attorneys, their leading attorneys from both parties, right? And you know how much money those parties have. Right against a guy who had zero dollars and they found 14 signatures they said they're not within the district uh funny thing is about the district it's got islands within it that are not the district so you can look at this this big map right and then there's islands of spots that are not the district how corrupt mm. is that but those are the voting lines and they found people outside of the district just enough to take me off the ballot leaving only one democrat and one Republican in the race. And to me, it was like the Republican was a, a, a Trump Republican. There was yeah. no way he was going to win because it's a highly Democrat area here. Yeah. And the Democrat who had just stepped down, it was like her best friend, one of her great friends stepping in to run for her spot. Uh -huh. I'm like, this election, this race is missing a real person. And that was the only reason I jumped into it because mm -hmm. I saw two career politicians. Both of them had been on city council both of them in the medical industry here in Janesville. It's huge, the medical industry. Yeah. So it's like these are people that everyone probably does automatically want on their state assembly seat representing them. But to me, and I don't know about you, but I want to I'm I want to see more regular people. I want to see people who have actually had a struggle or two in their life that yeah. uh, might have a different opinion than what we talk about every day at city council. And so that's, that's why I jumped in. But it was also like COVID was like, are we going to make it through this? Like I was one of these people that who knew what the outcome of COVID was going to be. I don't know how serious it felt to you at the time, but to me, it was like, mm -hmm. I don't know what direction the state's going in. I don't know what direction the country's going in. And it seemed really bad, like really bad. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What was it like, like for you at that time though? Uh, I was a fucking bartender and a comic, so my life completely changed. Like, it shut down. Like, I was, yeah, we were, uh, I was bartending, I was doing comedy, things were going great, and then, you know, I remember being at the bar, and we had, I worked at a metal bar, and we had metal shows and shit, and we, we just had a concert, and our bar owner pulled us to the back, and he's like, Hey man, just to give you guys a heads up, there's this uh, virus going around. You know that virus, and like we're all talking about it and shit, and it's just like no one really. I and I was just kind of like you know, oh, fucking virus, like whatever. I didn't, I didn't think shit. I, I really didn't. And once he like, I was like, this is weird that we're having an official fucking bar meeting yeah. <laughs> about a virus, and he's just like. Things are going to change. I don't know. They're talking about restrictions and quarantine. So he gave us like these letters. Uh, once once the quarantine did happen, we had like, a, he gave us, <laughs> I still have them. I kept them. And he gave us these official letters that were like, I am an employee of House of Rock, which has been deemed 
fucking an essential business during quarantine. So like I never stopped working to be fair. Like I, all that time off that people got and shit and free money. I never got the free money. I never got the time off. So like, I just kept fucking going and we're, we, that business almost died. I think every business almost, I can't say his business almost died. I assume but I think what really saved us was uh, like people were very generous in the beginning. Like when we all thought this was going to be two weeks, everyone was just throwing money and tips at us and shit because they all got that relief funds and shit. And everybody kind of was like, oh, two week vacation. And then we go back to work. And then once the once the reality of it set in, we were fucked. And what kept us alive was we started making a, um, like pizza to like take your own pizza home type shit like it's because the it was a bar restaurant and that's the only reason we got to stay open it was like a bar restaurant venue and uh it was it's kind of known for its pizza and he so it'd be like they give you two dough balls some sauce some cheese and whatever toppings you wanted them like instructions on how to make your own pizza at home and like people were buying those all the fucking time and then he did like these badass stickers that sold really well and it was it was it was really weird though like like you said i thought i i ended up getting out of service because i was like oh it made me grow up a lot i think like i i was kind of in a you know state of arrested development where i i'm just this fucking i was a 30 30 year old 20 year old and I just you know i was bartending i was doing comedy um i was divorced you know what I mean? So it's just like I'm a single dad and like I'm just dating and fucking doing comedy and partying. And I was just like, all right, well, none of this is sustainable. None of this is actually going to last. And you start thinking about the end of the world, right? Like, what's my what's my trade? What's what am I going to have to offer if this whole thing collapses? And like, yep. luckily, I was uh, I was military police and I was in the, the military and I did anti-terrorism. So I think my trade is like violence, to be fair. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to need violent men if the world collapses. So I'm just going to have to, like, that's what I have. It's like, I can be on the front I can protect line. everyone or not everyone, but there's always, there's going to be some ranger out there that'll fuck me up. But it's like, I, I was, I did MMA for 10 years. There's always a bigger fish, but it's like, yep. I, I'll, I'll be, I'll, that's the thing I have of value. I don't know how to fucking farm. I, th- I think I could fish. It seems, e- <laughs> I know what you mean. I, I do. Totally. Yep. Yeah, but that's I, the way that you take it. Like the way that you took it is like, who knows, man? Uh, I had no idea. Yeah, I, yeah. I, so it, it was just a bunch of craziness, I know. And it's like it. It seems like people have regrouped. Like people have almost got back to a point where everything just seems normal again. Yeah, but 100%. I don't know. It, I mean. I don't know about you, but like, I definitely think we're going to go back to a moment like that at some point. I could be wrong, but that was the whole reason for me running that time. Cause I was With like, what? this is as bad as it gets for like lockdown think? and stuff like that. It definitely could happen. Definitely. Yeah. I, but it always could happen. Kind of but whether like the, the one thing that I feel like worries me now is that solar flare. Yes. Yeah, Totally. When I read about that and it was like scientists are like the internet's going to go out for how long? Right. They don't fucking know. They don't know what's going to happen with it. There goes your crypto. Yeah, I get it. Well, yeah, there goes, there goes for everything. There goes a fucking internet. There goes the email. There goes like communication like that. 
Yeah, but my twenty five bucks in Bitcoin will be done first, and that's the worst part. So yeah, but is that is that is that the concern for most people? You think? No, no. I think you just you nailed it. Like just internet going out in general is like the number one thing. If we were without internet, I don't know how much worse it could be. Like people are no longer connected, and people start getting crazy really quick in those situations. And it would be like, hey, stay home. They would find a way to tell people stay home. And mm -hmm. that's all it would be and indefinitely. And so that's actually why I do this podcast. I There's so many things that I, I do, I worry about. And I think the world's got to communicate whatever it takes, communicate anything, but start doing it. Uh, otherwise, we're not, use it or lose it. That's kind of my, my approach, use it or lose yeah. it. Um, because if you don't, communication's just one of those things. We could save each other. Uh, the world could also go a bad direction based on communication, but those are those are our tools. If we don't talk about anything and everything, and if people I bet don't you the care about the second the internet goes down, China goes right to Taiwan. <laughs> you think the fucking second they're probably ready? Yep, this is ours, and they just keep going. It's that, yeah. The, that's the type of shit that that worries me about it is like how how are we gonna know how who's what it, you we're gonna have so much shit going on here like who know who cares what goes on everywhere else anyway to be fair yeah if that so like, happens that's 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 a nightmare scenario how think about how much shit is like internet like dependent right everything. you know what I mean yeah most of us everything. even people would never know when things are open anymore. No, they barely know what... as it is. <laughs> so like some of my favorite, like comedians growing up, George Carlin, um, mm -hmm. got, he was like the number one for me. And yeah, like, this is the stuff he was talking about, how civilization, you know, responds to things, how civilization oh, makes fools of themselves in like every situation possible. Mm -hmm. But like, so anyone who's a fan of comedy is definitely familiar with like considering end time stuff or bad situations of any kind. Yeah. We're all just negative people as it is anyway. Like that's most of us true. are just pessimists and don't trust anyone or anything. Like we see that's, that's what makes us comedians is we see the fucking shitty side first. Totally. Who, I, so who are of some us. of the people like that, obviously you had to have some favorite comedians growing up. A lot of people are going to watch us. And um, so I'm going to have a disclaimer at the beginning or not a disclaimer, but kind of like a background just to mm -hmm. let people know, like I've known you since at least high school since around, what was it around the we year? 2000? Yeah. Around so it was like 2000, 2001. Yeah. So we go back a ways and I know quite a bit about you, not everything, but mm -hmm. comedians, like who was it that like, you were always a funny guy, uh, but just naturally Thanks, funny. Thanks. And it, it's I'll always remember that about you. Ashley said she went to school with you before uh, we met in high school and said even back then you were known to be kind of a goofy guy. And so where did that all come from? Was it just like who you were and you were trying to pull it off? Or did were you inspired by horror? Like, Years you of horror. Comedians? Horrible childhood. <laughs> right. Just having to... It's really, um, I had to move a lot. My mom, like my dad, 
I was with my dad and then my mom would like took off and shit. And then so like I would bounce back and forth between them. And so like my dad was in Philly and then my mom was in Jersey. But even in Jersey, my mom moved every year. And like so I would be going to a new school. And then she took off and then I had to go back to my dad's and then I had to go to a new school in, in Philly again. So like, and then he would move and then I would have to go to a new school. So it was really just having to learn how to get in with the people to make everyone, like to get in with everyone in a new fucking place everywhere I went. And it's like the easiest way to do that is to be funny. You know what I mean? It's like just to have to fucking, and to be fair, it's like, I didn't give a shit what anyone thought about me after a certain point because I was like I'm never gonna fu- I'm gonna move again anyway and plus I was weird as it is like I'm a weird dude I I, I have I'm a pessimistic guy I'm a I'm a product of abuse like most comedians you know what I mean like just shitty childhood uh you, you either end up wanting to kill yourself or you end up trying to see the what's funny about this this is funny yep. this is really ironic Things that are ironic fucking crack me up and things that are horrifically ironic make me laugh so hard. And I, I don't know why I, I really don't. I just think it's just like because you're kind of I was raised in the Catholic Church and, you know, you're raised to believe it's like a just world and all that. And even psychologically, there's a thing called the just world phenomenon where people just expect it to be. If someone gets hit by a truck, you're like, instead of being like, oh, my God, that sucks. Like human beings can't just be depressed all the time. So they trick themselves into thinking like, well, he's probably a child molester. Like, fuck him. You know what I mean? Like, so it's called the just world phenomenon. Like, it's a psychological thing. And it's just kind of like, I don't, I don't really think that. I just think it's just like, like, it's just fucked up. It's just fucked up. And that may, and uh, people deal with stressors differently, right? And that's another psychological thing. Um, it's catharsis. And for me, laughter, laughing at the irony of it, that's my catharsis. I don't cry. Uh, sometimes I get mad. Uh, often I get mad, I should say, but uh, really, like I, I always laugh first, typically, or I end up laughing at it to not just slam my head into things over and over all right. the time. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, comedian wise, um, I, I went through phases. I think, like everyone else, it, it just really depends on what I was hearing. Because, like, I grew up on Dice. Like that was my dad's guy mm-hmm. when I was young. Um, I always liked Bill Engvall when I was younger. I thought Bill Engvall was really fucking funny. Uh, I liked Zane Cook when I was like 18. You know what I mean? Like, so I went yeah. through phases yeah. of stuff and it's like, I, I, I watch those guys now and I'm kind of like, Oh, cook, cook just had this crazy energy and he's just so fucking silly. You know, right. same thing with Jim Carrey. I used to love Jim Carrey and like, Who I didn't love want to be silly. Jim Carrey. Yeah. I loved silly comedians when I was younger. I, I love that shit. I'd never, uh, like I liked Carlin, I would watch Carlin, but it was just like, oh, he's depressing, and I was a depressed little kid. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to listen to a fucking depressed guy. I wanted to watch like fucking, you know. Right. I like, I like that shit. I like Chris Farley a lot. Like Farley, oh, yeah. fucking, I love Farley. My best friend reminds me of Mexican Farley. Like he's yeah. he he has this that kind of anger and energy, and but he's he's survived longer than Farley, so you're kind of getting to see him like just fucking start hating the world, and he's hilarious, and uh, it's just. Once I knew, uh, I went overseas and I heard Rogan's um, Shiny Happy G- Jihad podcast or uh, 
CD. I bought that and I like watched that and listened to that a lot when I was in Guantanamo Bay, which is fucking hilarious. Um, just to listen to a, an album named Shiny Happy Jihad while you're surrounded by extremists, Muslim extremists every day. It was fun. Uh, and then once I got back stateside, I started listening to this radio show while I was a, I was a military police, so I'd be on patrol on base, and I was listening to this radio show called The Opie and Anthony Show. I don't know if you've ever mm -hmm. heard of it. And yep. uh, Jim Norton, dude, I don't know. I just identified so fucking hard with Norton um, and the way he felt about himself and the things he was saying. And he was just fucking killing me. And then in listening to that, that's where I found, like, the seller crew, I would call them, which is, like, Bill Burr. And Patrice O'Neill. So Patrice is like my number one. It's oh, yeah. like Patrice Burr, Norton. Those three guys are like, when I started listening to them and just fucking dying laughing. And I was just like, started thinking like that. And uh, I, I wanted to try it. And I did. I was like 30. I think I had, I think I just turned 30. Or I, I was 30. I was about to turn 31. And I was like, I better fucking try this if I'm going to try it. So I did. And, but yeah. Patrice, Burr, Norton, those are those are my guys. I watch everyone, but when I watch Bill Burr, it makes me want to quit comedy every time he puts out a fucking special because the, the shit he does, uh, the way he flows into into new jokes and callbacks and like fucking other things, it's, it's it seems effortless, and I'm sure it, I'm yeah. sure it's not, but uh, he's fucking good. Louis C.K. too, I think he's oh, yeah. uh, he's so funny. So. I know. So my oldest girls are watching South Park a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, we, you and me are the generation that that started in. Like, mm -hmm. I remember watching those first episodes. I remember Daily Show with Craig Kilborn before mm -hmm. South Park. And um, just like that kind of language on South Park was like, blew you away. It was like, this had never happened before. Mm -hmm. uh, but the comedy was like, just crazy and it's, so like if you're from that era and like comedy doesn't resonate with you i'm kind of looking at you sideways because like we were we were lucky for that to come out like think think about how boring language was on tv and even radio up until the 2000s like was that the one that changed it i don't know but like what it do seems you mean like, what do you mean language like as far as cursing or do you mean like when you heard beep, 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 it was like yeah. one of the first South Park episodes. It would be like stuff beeped out. You never heard yeah. that stuff unless you're watching like an episode of Cops or something. Like that was not happening, but they were doing it for comedic like outcome for laughs. And because it was it funny was that kids were first. saying these horrible things. Yeah, it was like yeah. horrible shit, but it was kids. And it's like, I mean, to be fair like when i was a kid we were saying horrible shit like that so they were totally. just kind of really holding up a mirror and i don't think a lot of uh, a lot of parents like i know my mom hated that shit but and to and like like you said even beyond the shock value and that's what a lot of people tried to say it's like oh it's just shock value when you yeah th their commentary on things was it's still prolific prolific yeah. The turd sandwich versus the fucking giant douche. I think that was for Kerry versus Bush. Uh, yep. Like just the the shit they they were doing and saying, and even still to this day, it's just kind of like they have their viewpoint is very uh, interesting, and I think I think influential even on me. Like I I, I typically 
when when I see what they're they're saying, when I get their message, I'm like, oh shit, that's kind of how I feel about it. Like, uh, and that's just resonating with me. I don't know how it resonates with other people. I'm, you know, I, I I'm, yeah. I'm from a, I'm a different person from everyone else. So I don't expect everyone to watch it. It's tough to watch it now, and I'm like, like, okay, like right. they're these shows are gonna get pulled. Some of these, like any of the city walk ones, shitty walk character. But then you watch Team America, and it's just like, dude, this was a fucking perfect movie. This is one right. of the funniest movies ever. One of the funniest. I guess, so I guess I am wrong. Before, I mean, Beavis and Butthead, Mike Judge in general mm-hmm. as like a writer. Was yeah, doing he was stuff doing Kind of yeah. before then. Mm-hmm. But like, Mike Judge himself, like an amazing writer. One of my favorites. But, oh man, I'm looking at my questions I got for you gonna sidetrack you to something else man something you said about moving a lot that is something i wanted to talk about because i was lucky i i said this like in my first campaign i told in my press release i said i was lucky to move around a lot when i was a kid lucky Mm -hmm. because it, it like you said it took me to different areas like throughout the midwest i went to so many different schools i'd have to like like you said do whatever it took to like blend in to just make it whatever it was yeah but i had no idea you uh also moved around too and that that might have been why we got along in high school like we just had that similarity in that way but yeah plus we were i mean it's bands too like we both played instruments like you were a skateboarder i like skateboarding but i fucking sucked at it and i like so i never got into it but it's like i played i played bass at that time right i was still the bass player yep yeah i I sucked at skateboarding but i did it yeah, but I mean, but it was like that was what that was like the crew, you know what I mean? It was like me, you, Kevin, Ryan, Alex. I feel like I'm forgetting someone, AJ. But uh, yeah, like, yeah, I gotta give everyone a shout out. I'll just go down the yeah. list Joe, Mike, <laughs> Joe, Steve, yeah. uh, just so many people. Oh, fuck, yeah, Steve, goddamn. We got lucky, like, I don't talk to any of those guys these, these days, but like, if they're watching yeah. this. That was a lucky time for me. I mean, like I said, my kids are homeschooled for the reasons of the stuff we did in high school. We definitely pushed some limits on some things. I'm going to out us right now on lunch breaks. I'll out myself yeah. first. Lunch breaks during a certain winter uh, came up with some bad ideas. Uh, a lot of people. I don't, that wasn't that our time, idea, though, to be fair. That was, oh, from it, was CKY. it was all my idea. It was, was yeah. Ben and that's idea. what I was going to say. CKY being like a huge inspiration <laughs> to go and do just ridiculous stuff. And like, we weren't videotaping ourselves. We were just being risky for no reason. And it's yeah. like, I still look back and that was some of the funnest stuff I did in high school, but I'm still like, I'm like, I don't know if I should have been doing that. And that's definitely why I don't want my kids going. Cause they're going to be more than me. They're going to do what I did times 10. And I know it. <laughs> I don't know. But, I don't know, man. But you're. But yeah. I feel like you kind of get. That's the thing. Is like I don't. I was. I. I had a. I had one life, and then you know my kids have had a completely different life for me. And I. I don't really. I don't really see my. <laughs> I don't really see my son jumping out of a moving van into a fucking <laughs> snow pile. or hanging to the outside of it. Yeah, or, or hanging to the outside of it, or getting hit by one. You got. Hit, he ran you over that one time. I swear he did. Yeah, he he just kind of like nudged you with it, and it was just like, oh my god, it's like what the fuck, and it's just like, yeah, jumping off the roof. I still, I still to this day think, 
of two times of jumping off that roof was number one uh, was when Alex tried to jump off and his fucking foot got caught in the gutter. I don't know if you saw that and he fucking <laughs> he fucking He's belly flopped on the no. grass. He fucking belly flopped on the grass. Because <laughs> he was trying to jump into the bush. He was trying to jump into the bush and his fucking foot just got caught in the gutter so he couldn't like get his feet oh, under him and he fucking smacked. And the other time was like I jumped into the snow off the roof with my shirt off and like it, I was fine. It didn't hurt, but there was this girl that I liked. So I was just like, oh, fuck. Oh, and it's still it's like one of those 2 a.m. dude chill moments where I'm just like, if you if you would have just played it off, like it didn't you didn't feel it at all. You'd probably been way cooler. Would have been cool. <laughs> Instead of being annoying. It's just like oh, I was just uh, fucking I was just annoying back then. I feel like. But I didn't know when to shut the fuck what we up. Did, if there was a video. I think there was. For some, some of, of those it, things, yeah. Yeah, yeah I did backyard wrestling. VHS I did all that shit. You put on your shoulder and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, they had some digital recorders back then. We didn't have smartphones, so like, good for that at least. But yeah, no, but yeah, we, it I was see. it was a tape. It was a VHS tape recorder. I remember because it was like we were mixing it on the v- VCR, or maybe I'm thinking of backyard wrestling. I don't know. See, now I'm at the age. All that stuff. We did all that stuff. Dangerous and, shit. Yeah. Yeah. I see people do it online today, and I'm like, you guys missed the, the time was back then. And that's what I'm saying. Like, now things are things are different. And like you said, kids are in a different era. Things are different. But that's the thing that worries me. Like, not yeah. that I can control everything, but I feel like I'm trying to put them in a different field. And it's not for everyone to homeschool. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like everything else. It's a roll of the dice. You're You're hoping for the best outcome, and that's all you can do. Like invest yeah. your time as good as you can, but so I don't I, know. I mean, I just don't want them to do fentanyl. Yes, That's and it's really everywhere. How I feel it is, but I mean, it's just like I don't know. What can you do? Educate them about how shitty fentanyl is. Like it doesn't do anything good. Don't try it once. I've been. I I was lucky. Like for all the for all the bullshit, I I I never tried like anything hard. Like I never tried anything. If I like cocaine, heroin, any of that type of shit, I was like, nope, nope. If it Good if it's you, something man. like that, and I've lost like friends in Philly to heroin, and it's just like, I don't know, yep. man. I don't know. I I it must be fucking awesome, but I I just know that it it's just like pretty much a, the death nail in your coffin, no matter who you are. Like it's, it's, you're always going to be an addict to that. So it's just, you can't, can't. There was, when I started podcasting the Beloit podcast, Yeah, um, there was a kid who was shot in a gang activity thing in Beloit, a kid just like not even 10 years old and uh, killed in it. Right. But so I started doing the podcast because like this was blocks from where we were living with our kids and i'm like um it was like also this year that year our our oldest was in school and they had the biggest contractor in the area doing work on the school and they almost collapsed the whole building because they decide to not brace one of the walls they're working on while they're digging a trench next to it and i'm like so you got all the money in the world and from the biggest corporation that's doing the work 
all the money for the work itself coming from the state to do this educational development, yet they can't get it right. They put all the kids risk in life, all their life in risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, so all these things happened in that year around like late 2014, 2015. And I'm like, I'm like, community is falling apart. I don't even know what community is. I like, all I know is the place I grew up in for the most part was Beloit. And I'm like, it is even in 2014 did not seem like the place that I grew up in. I'm like, so mm-hmm. I'm going to start podcasting, just talking to people because like, I genuinely worry about people. I worry that like people are uh, losing touch of the ability to just like have faith in each other and like the idea of community that we're not all bad, that we are like, most of us are just people. We're just humans. We're just, we make a lot of mistakes. We do a lot of wrong things, but at the end of the day, we're not trying to hurt one another. But a lot mm-hmm. of people forget that. And a lot of people are starting to drift from that. And I'm like, so we do this podcast and there are so many people, like you were saying about drug related stuff that mm-hmm. would hit me up for an interview. And it would be like a month later, I didn't do the interview with them and they would end up in a drug related car accident, drug overdose. And I can tell you, it's like more than 10 people. Yeah. So for anyone watching this, that's what happened in the early episodes of Boy Podcast. I had more than a handful of people actually hit me up that want to do interviews. They were just happy to do a Beloit podcast about their music or about something they did. Uh-huh. And they would end up like passing away from a drug related overdose. It is that common, especially around here. So like when I just now, even now when I'm talking to you, like you said, you never mess around with that stuff. And yeah, like I can't tell you how proud of I am to even hear you say that because people don't escape it here. Like mm-hmm. a lot of places, people don't escape it, but people don't find the next thing to do with their life. Right. Like they don't find the comedy. They don't find, they don't end up having a kid that of their own that keeps them here, keeps them grounded. One or another things don't keep them grounded. And like this podcast, all the podcasting I've done, it's like me reaching to our mom, just like, please just like to some of these people, I'm like, please just reinvest in yourself. Cause you got mm-hmm. everything to live for. So like these podcasts, that's what it's about. I love seeing you do what you're ambitious to do, what you care to do and like keep doing it because Mm -hmm. um, that's all you got is what you love. And once you stop doing that, I mean, that's how everyone ends. Too many people end up without, without love in their life of whatever it is and hate to sound cheesy, but like, that's my experience. Yeah. So keep it up, man. Yeah. Thanks, Reese. I gotta, yeah, I, I think I think what you're doing is cool too, man. Like, I I, I think it's fucking badass. Uh, like, I I thought the running, the campaigning, and all that shit, it's good because I mean, <clears throat> like you said, there needs to be real people running. The people who are in charge are always. Uh, I mean, it's been proven at this point through enough studies that anyone who seeks out power probably shouldn't have it. You know what I mean? That's it's a personality type of uh, you're usually looking at a narcissist or a sociopath or something like that. And yep. man, you you just kind of hope you get a good sociopath or a good narcissist. There are, I mean, it's like I've I've read about this shit. It's like there, it's apparently it's like I I, I fuck it, I'm a fucking comic. I'm probably a narcissist to be fair. You know what I mean? It's like you kind of have to you get like Batman. Batman's a good sociopath. Is that why it's, he talks the way he does? <laughs> it's true. Because he's crazy. Yeah, no, that's why he beats the fuck out of people every night. It's because he's a fucking sociopath. He's just like, oh, crime. And he, and he just kick your teeth in. 
you know what i mean like and and uh that's not justice that's that's um revenge or that's vigilante yeah. shit right so yeah and that's his whole character is that he's he, that that murder just fucked him up so bad that forever forever he'll never he'll never be normal he's all he's just the way he thinks even the way he he has a plan to kill the justice league you know yeah. what i mean that's a that's a fact that's a comic fact he has wow. a plan to kill the justice league and it it's it's called a uh, doom or whatever they made a they made an animated movie about it it was a comic series but it's about batman's plan to kill the justice league they like steal it from him and they fuck the justice league up and you know they end up not losing obviously because they're the main characters but it's like they're like why did you even have this plan and he's like i'm batman i'm batman (laughs) i don't trust anyone Uh, i don't trust anyone i don't look at this anyway he's like the the only people he's only all he cares about is the innocent you know what i mean the idea of of innocent people so i'm protecting them so he'll he he will betray his friends and come up with he literally has a kryptonite like he has a big ass kryptonite rock that he keeps just in case soups ever decides to flip the script and and rewind the earth or anything anything that superman wants to if superman ever does anything that batman feels like is against innocence and humanity and shit then he's gonna kill him he has a whole plan to do dang this yeah. I did not know. This is Bat- yeah. Batman has a plan for everything. That's that's wow. comic lore. That's comic. Uh, that's the rule, man. That's his superpowers. It's called two weeks prep time. Wow. It's it's like if Batman has two weeks prep time, he can be anyone in any comic, in any universe. That's, that's you guys. The thing. You're hearing this first on the most important podcast not, in the world. They, if they're Batman fans, they already know this. They're probably like, yeah, no shit. Oh, this is over my head. I can tell you that, and I'm the host of the most important podcast in the world. I've I just I don't feel like you give a shit about comics, Reese. <laughs> what? Do you watch superhero movies? I do. I'm actually do a huge Marvel fan, but no. So my brother Tony, you know Tony, was the uh-huh. Batman fan when we were kids. He had the Batman big wheels. I had a Ninja Turtle. I was the Ninja Turtles guy. Yeah, but uh, but no, I definitely today I love all the Marvel stuff. I mean. I can't even think of a bad Marvel show they've done. I mean, I watch.